Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right, we all want change. Uh, we all want to change something. Every one of us right now, you've got something you, that you're thinking about, whether it be your finances or your husband or your waistline, you want something to change, right? Uh, in fact, I, I didn't get to see the hands a minute ago. I'm just curious, how many of you wish you could change something today? Yeah. How many of you wish you could change the person you're sitting next to right now? I'm curious. Sorry, that wasn't very nice, I'm sorry. Turn to the person next to you, tell them you're looking good today. You're looking, now do it again without laughing. It's gotta be believable if you're gonna say something like that. Well, church, we're in this series, The Power to Change. We all have something we wanna change. And in fact, I wanna look today at a verse, a very powerful scripture. God is speaking to us when he says this in 2 Chronicles. He says, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I know you've heard this verse before. You, you, you've probably even seen it written up on a poster on the wall or something, but I wanna read this again and I want it to soak into us because we're in this series, The Power to Change. And today we're talking about how, how prayer changes us. So let me read this one more time. It says, this is God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Church, when I read this verse, I, I get this picture in my head of like God just sitting there watching us, waiting to intervene, waiting to get involved because we want change. That's why we pray, because we want to see things change. We want our land healed. We want God to hear us from heaven. We want our sins forgiven. We want uh, things to happen for us. We want these things, and God's like, like I want to do it. I'm waiting if, if you'll just pray. Like, I want to know I'm invited. How many of you are parents in this room? Uh, I'm just curious, how often do you watch your kids struggle with something and it, just to see them struggle, to see if they're going to ask you for help? I remember when my kids were younger, I used to do this all the time and I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but you know, sometimes your kids don't want your help. So um, I can remember my girls when they were younger riding around in the back wheel, uh, backyard in their little power wheels, that little purple Barbie Jeep that they'd ride around and, and they got it stuck up on the rock one day in, in our landscaping in the backyard. And I was watching them was, and at first, I'm kind of, I'm just smiling and laughing because they get out and they're pushing on it as hard as they can. And they're arguing with each other and they get back in and they push on the gas and nothing's happening. And they were getting so frustrated. And I just kind of walked over next to them and just stood there because I, I didn't know if they wanted me to get involved or not. And finally, they were, they were frustrated, <laughs> like, Dad, help. And I just reached over and moved it. And just like that, quicker than they could understood what happened, I fixed their situation. Well, church, when I read this scripture, that, that, that is exactly the sense I get, that God is saying, listen, I, I'm waiting. If you, if you will humble yourself and ask me to get involved, I'm waiting to intervene, and I can fix your problems quicker than you can understand what even took place. 
the things that we've been striving for. I, I want to see change. I, I want to come out of this addiction. I want to get healthier. I want to lose weight. I want some breakthrough in my finances. I, I want some breakthrough in my, my, my emotional health. And as hard as we've struggled in those areas, he's saying, do you want me to get involved? Do you want me to get involved? And guys, that's why we pray. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you and I, we pray because we want to see change. And when we pray, we're not asking to change God. I mean, it, we, we see that God doesn't change. In fact, in Malachi, God tells Malachi, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. David said, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. See, if God could change, it would suggest that he's either not as perfect now as he once has been, or he's not as perfect now as he once could be. And see, God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And we see that if, if God could change, it would suggest that, that he is not uh, um, as perfect as he can be. And we know he can't change because he's too perfect to be improved upon. He's always been good to us. He's good to us now. And he's always going to be good to us. He, he doesn't change. So why is it then, if, if we, why would we come to a God who doesn't change and pray? Well, the answer is simple. Because when I pray, I'm not praying to try to change God. But when I pray, my prayers end up changing me. And see, that's the title of the sermon today is, is how, how prayer changes me. Because have you ever recognized like how often we will pray to change the circumstance, pray to change that other person? Like the times, man, married couples, where you at in here? Let me hear you. Woo! Yeah, married couples. Let me tell you, how often do you pray that God will fix your spouse, right? Like, God, this woman is driving me nuts today, God. Could you do something about her? Like, we pray that. I bet Amelie's probably the only person in this room who has never had to pray that God would fix their spouse. You know, never. It must be nice. <laughs> we know that's not true. I'm a work in progress. But... How often though, because I can tell you, I, I've, I've started recognizing this on myself. God, you gotta fix this person. You gotta fix my kids. And the more frustrated I get, and the more I'm praying about God, change them. The more I start the prayer off, they're doing this and they're doing that. And by the end of me spending some time with God, I'm realizing he's starting to work on me. And started to go, well, maybe I wasn't as patient as I should have been in that conversation. Maybe I wasn't as gracious as I should have been. Maybe I, I didn't really give her the time she deserved. And it's so interesting because you and I, like, it, it's just our nature. We're selfish by nature. We pray for things to change because God, it couldn't possibly be that I need to, any work in my life. Fix them, fix the job, fix the boss. He's a jerk, fix her. She's driving me nuts. And if you just fix all those things, then I'll be fine. But see, if we really want change, we have to be open to the fact that the more we communicate with our God, he begins to change you. He begins to change me. And when we want that and we can, we can get serious about it, we can do just like this verse said that is so powerful. We humble ourselves before him and, and we seek his face and we turn from our wicked ways. And then we see that that's when God gets involved. He, get, he wants to intervene in your life. How many of you church want God to intervene in your life? Well, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father. We pray that in these moments that we have together that, that you would help us to understand your plan for us in prayer and how it changes us. And then, God, we pray um, that it would become a part of who we are. 
that we wouldn't walk through life just talking about you, but we, we would go through life talking to you every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. I want to tell you four things that, how, four ways that prayer changes me. Four ways that prayer changes me. Write these down, uh, take notes on it. I know that uh, so many of you uh, are in your 40 days uh, of prayer uh, commitment together. Man, this is awesome. I'm so glad we're doing this together as a church. There's even an area in that notebook where you can write down the sermon notes. So if you didn't bring it this week, bring it next week uh, so you can follow along with this. But this is four ways that prayer changes me. Number one, Prayer empties my heart of its cares. Prayer empties my heart of its cares. See, without prayer, you began collecting more and more baggage and more and more weight that you, you were never meant to carry. I don't know if you know this about me, but we have a rule in my family when it comes to traveling. And it, it happened out of a day of frustration really bad because we were in the airport um, in Orlando one time. We were traveling with my family when we were a little bit younger. And I can remember that I'm... I'm someone, I don't like carrying a bunch of stuff as it is. I'm, I'm a light traveler. And if you will let it, your kids will offload all of their stuff. If dads understand this, moms understand this too. If you carry a purse, I see, I see my daughters dump stuff in my wife's purse even now. And they're teenagers, right? I mean, like people will just start dumping stuff off on you. Well, I went to the airport with the magazine in my hand. That's all I had. And somehow, I'm, as I'm walking through the airport, I'm getting slower and getting more tired and getting heavier because uh, Kayla's frustrated because the jacket's hot, so I'm carrying hers. And then, then, then Rachel takes hers off. Would you carry that? And then all of a sudden, now the blanket that she brought is dragging behind her, so I picked it up so it didn't get rolled over with the back. And now I got two, uh, I got like pink glitter blanket on my neck and two jackets, and then uh, we're not going fast enough. We're going to miss our gate, so I grabbed this back. And then Kayla, uh, like I'm going, and I'm, I'm, man, I'm getting hot and tired. I'm sweating like the fat man on the treadmill, and I'm just going, where did this even come from? And I turn around and realized, wait a minute, I'm wearing the door of the Explorer backpack and carrying a pink blanket. And I said, family meeting right now. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have a talk. We sat down at gate C3 and I said, this is the way it's going to be from now on in my family. Dad doesn't carry stuff. Okay. <laughs> if you want it, you carry, I, you carry your stuffed animals, you carry your Barbies because I, I am getting exhausted and I don't care if you bring the Barbie or not. All right. And, and I started realizing that like, as I made that rule, I enjoyed the vacation so much more. Cause we went into the parks and we're at the theme parks having all the fun and the girls, I want this and that and this and that. I'm like, you carry it. And they're like, well, I don't want it that bad. <laughs> it was easy then. And, Cause the thing is, if you let it, people will dump stuff off on you. And it's the way it is spiritually that in life, you are gonna have things that weigh you down. You're gonna have things that, that are put on you that, that have weight to them. And your boss is gonna frustrate you. And you're gonna get some news about uh, your finances that might frustrate you. You come home, find a bill, a bill in the mail that you weren't expecting. And, and you've got the things that are going on in your life, but then your spouse comes home and, and they start talking about what's going on in theirs. And now all of a sudden you realize you're carrying a drama that they're dealing with at work as well. And then your kids come home and they got an issue with the teacher or this, per, this coach is bothering them and this is taking place and that's taking place. And before you realize it, you're like, I'm not sleeping at night anymore. I'm frustrated. I'm trying to force my way through things and make things happen. Why? Because my heart has gotten so heavy. 
Like, I'm just like, I, I'm carrying so much weight that I was never meant to carry. And Jesus shows us, God shows us in scripture that one of the reasons we are supposed to have a regular prayer life is because as our hearts get weighed down with things, we need to be people who are regularly offloading those things onto our heavenly father. Because unlike me, the dad that would, that would be in the airport going, I ain't carrying stuff. God is the opposite. He's saying, give it all to me. I'm like, you don't carry that. Don't, don't let that burden you. Don't let that weigh you down. I got this for you. I can carry this for you. Don't lose sleep over what they're going through. Don't, don't do that. He's saying, I got you. you see, the, there's a, a scripture here that tells us, Matthew 5, 8, Jesus is talking. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. What do you think? What does that have to do with prayer? Well, interestingly, if we go all the way back uh, to the Greek, this word pure is the word katharos, which is it's the word, same word that we get for catheter. And it means to clear out or to clean. So the pure in heart is a heart that has been cleared out and cleaned. It's a heart that has been re relieved of all the junk that gets weighed down on it so much. You said, if you want to see God, if you want, you want clear vision in life, you got to be someone who is regularly taking the stuff that would weigh your heart down and offloading it to your heavenly father. See, if you don't learn how to empty your heart before God, you won't be ready to receive the things that he wants for you. There's a scripture that shows us in 1 Samuel, there's a woman by the name of Hannah who wanted a son so bad. And um, the Bible says that she went to the temple to pray because she was in deep anguish and, and sorrowful. Her heart was heavy and burdened. So she goes and she began just pouring out to God and, and offloading all the weight of her heart. And she starts crying out and screaming to God to the point to where the people who were working in the temple, Eli, the priest at the temple said, you gotta get this woman out of here, she's drunk. Like, have you ever seen someone get that real with God? It's like, God, I'm angry. Things aren't working out the way I thought they would. I thought, I thought I'd be farther along. I thought you'd help me. And, and, and to the point where other people, they were uncomfortable with it. Oh my gosh, I don't know if you can talk to God that way. I don't know if you can offload that way. It makes us feel uncomfortable. I, I, maybe you should get out of here. And, and yet what we see happened is as she offloaded all the weight that was on her heart. See, the Bible says, cast your cares on him as she took all those things and she threw them off of her heart onto God, we see that God blessed that because he then, he gave her the desires of her heart now that her heart was empty from all the weight that she was carrying. And she gave him a son, or God gave her a son. So we need to first understand that, that when we pray, it's not to change God. God immediately begins doing things to change you and it's good for you, it's good for me. He first, he lightens your heart, prayer, empties my heart of its cares. And then number two, the second way that prayer changes me, prayer humbles me. Man, prayer is humbling. See, when you acknowledge that, you are, that, that the answer is beyond your human abilities, it, it, when you acknowledge that, you know, I don't have the answers in order, or the abilities or the strength or, or the resources in order to be able to see the change that I want, it's humbling because you're like, God, I'm at the end of myself. I need help. It's humbling when you're the little kid who wants to pull the Jeep off the rock by yourself, but you can't do it, so you gotta go, Taddy, would you help? And how often do we do this in life? We're like, nah, I got it. I'm fine, I'll just force through this. It's just gonna be a tough season, but I'll just work harder. 
I'll just put, I'll put my head down, I'll grind it out, we'll be okay. We do this, but when we finally want to see change, we all get to a point where, where we humble ourselves and say, God, I want you to intervene. I, I, I need your help. And guys, this is something like, why is it we struggle with this in our spiritual life? Because when it comes to the business world, we, we don't think that way. We understand when it comes to business, like if you're a manager of, of a business or a company here in town uh, and you have an HVAC system that goes out at your company, you don't need to learn how to fix an HVAC system. You don't need to know that. You just need to know someone who does and then you hire them. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And guys, spiritually, when it comes to our prayer life, you don't have to be the answer. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know who the answer is. And when we pray, we're saying, God, I'm not the answer. I, I've tried to fix stuff on my own and I can't. Every time I do it by my own strength, I get more tired, more frustrated. So what I want instead, God, is to acknowledge the fact that you're the answer. When I pray, it humbles me. It humbles me. See, and then once we get to this place where, where, where we're humble before God, our, our hope begins to grow, not in how we'll fix it, but in how he's gonna do something about it. Because I'm not talking about having hope in life where you're just the optimistic person because an optimistic person just feels like everything's gonna be better but has no idea why. And a prayerful person believes that everything will be better because they know who's in control. And it's a completely different place to live your life from. It's a place of stability where it doesn't matter what happens on the news. It doesn't matter what happens anywhere else because I'm not just hoping things will be better. I'm knowing I'm gonna be fine because I know who's in control and I know he loves me so much. That doesn't come from a place of pride where you're like, I got it all together. It doesn't come from there. It comes from a place where you're like dependent on God. If, if my people will humble themselves and pray. Prayer changes me. Prayer empties my heart of its cares. Prayer humbles me. And then number three, prayer gives me direction. Well, it's in prayer where I receive direction from God. There's only one who can give me direction. And, and, and really, I wanna take just a brief moment to think about Jonah. Many of you know the story uh, of Jonah in the Bible. And we see the story of Jonah is a story all about a man who his, his life basically shows the, the danger of living a life where you make decisions without receiving direction from God first. The danger of living a life with prayerlessness to just make big decisions and go this way and go that way because we know Jonah was supposed to go and minister to a group of people, but without talking to God about it, he went the opposite direction. And he ended up in a horrible storm and he ended up being thrown overboard. He ended up being swallowed by a well and spit out on, on the shores. And we look at this story and go, what did we learn from this? We learned that a life lived without direction from a God, from a God who loves you is a life that leads from disaster to disaster to disaster to disaster. All the while from the, from the get-go, God was, was trying to give direction. He's saying, listen, I just, I just wanna tell you how, which way to go. And when we pray and we spend time actually talking to God, that's where we start to get direction. There's a scripture that tells us this in Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I love it because I've heard other preachers say, that this could be transliterated to say it this way, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path obvious. How many of you wish the, the decisions you had to make on a daily basis were obvious? 
Because I'll tell you, most of the conversations we have where we're praying together are like A and B conversations. I don't know if I should stay here or I don't know if I should move here. I don't know if I should stay at this company or go here. I don't know if I should pull my kid out of the school or stay. It's like A or B, I don't know, don't know, don't know. And he's saying, listen, just acknowledge God. And when you humble yourself and acknowledge God, he'll give you that direction. So then all of a sudden you realize as you're starting your day at the office, God, I don't know how to make these sales today. I don't know what I should do here. Now all of a sudden I'm going, well, I feel a lot of peace by going after this direction. I feel like maybe, maybe God's had me in this direction because these other ways that I've been concerned about, like this one was even scarier earlier, but now I'm starting to recognize I have a peace going after it. So I'm gonna follow that peace of God. It's like all of a sudden you were like, wait a minute, this is becoming obvious to me what I should do. Why? Because I acknowledged God. And see, I wonder how often are we actually praying and acknowledging God for direction? And I mean actually praying, not just pacing the floor and worrying and saying that we prayed but opening our mouths and saying, God, I need help. I, I need you to do something on my behalf. I need you to give me direction. And when we do so, he, he's a loving father that always shows us where we go. He doesn't always show us when we wanna hear it, but, but he shows us which way to go. So we get direction through prayer as well. And then the last thing, the fourth thing I wanna talk about before we leave is prayer strengthens my intimacy with God. Prayer strengthens my intimacy with God. So you gotta have a relationship with God, but your relationship with God has gotta be based on your relationship with God. I wanna give you a little like side free marriage seminar right now. And it's this, um, you came for church, you get in a marriage seminar. You weren't expecting that today. <laughs> but it's this intimacy is born out of communication. Okay, intimacy is not born in the bedroom. Intimacy is born out of communication. Every fruit of intimacy that comes in other places in marriage all stem from good communication between a husband and a wife. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. You can't go through life expecting the fruit of what he wants for you to just arrive. It doesn't start that way. It starts with us communicating with him. And out of that intimacy, fruit starts to then pour into your life. And see, what if, because I love my wife so much, but, but what if, you know, like I was just being introduced to who she was. I saw her from across the room and I realized I love this woman. And I'm like, I want her to be a part of my life. So what I decide to do is I'm gonna study this woman. Man, I'm gonna get online and find out everything I can about her. And I'm gonna go ask you guys questions about her. You know anything about that, Amelie? Because man, she's fly, right? Like, like, I want to know about this girl. Like, like, she's hot. So I start reading about her. I start writing poems about her. I start writing songs about her. I start like, like I'm studying this woman. I want to know everything about her. I start showing up places where she might be, find out she's like at the mall. And I'm just like off staring there looking at her. You might ask me, it's like, well, well how much do you know about her? Like, I know everything about her. I, man, I love that woman. Like, well, will you ever talk to her? I'm like, No. You'd be like, dude, that's not a relationship. That's a crime. It's called stalking. And you like, there's restraining orders on stuff like that, right? That's like, because you can go through life and you can be like, I love God. I want to learn everything I can about him. And I want to go places where people are going to talk about him. And I want to go places where, where there, people are going to sing songs about him. And I want to, I want to open up the Bible and read about him. I want to be a, uh, like, I want to know everything about him I can. But if, if you're not talking to him, then there's no relationship there. There's no intimacy there. And I wonder, like, with God, 
offers to us that we can be his friends. And, and are you a fan of God? Are you his friend? And when you decide, you know, that prayer is not something you do like right before you go to bed or before a meal to just be like, that's the, the habit of life. No, prayer is a relationship with a God who knows you intimately and loves you. And the more that you, like, the more you talk to him, like, you think, well, what, what am I gonna talk to him about? He knows everything about me. Well, my wife knows more about me than I know about myself, but I still talk to her. Like, cause I struggle with that sometimes. Like, God, I'm, I'm struggling again. I'm frustrated again. He knows but we do that because when I, when I talk to him, I'm becoming more intimate with him. As I share more of who I am with him, which he already knows, but as I share more of that, he began sharing more of who he is with me. So church, we're in this 40 days of prayer and we're making some changes in our life because frankly, um, we're going, we don't wanna go through life stuck. We don't wanna go through life stagnant. We don't wanna go through life with the same problems that your parents and your grandparents and your great grandparents had hoping that, that maybe some generation is gonna see change. No, I believe that if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. Guys, I, I believe that we can see change. And you go, well, okay, well, this is all great. You say, you've given us the why. Why should we pray? We, we should pray because when we pray, God changes us. But let's make it real practical. How? How? Because I mean, there's some of us, we, we grew up in life and we, we've never been taught how to pray. I wanna just share real quickly before we leave and then we're gonna pray together real quickly before we leave. I was taught to pray by following an acronym, A-C-T-S, A-C-T-S, ACTS. And, and it's just, I think I was like in middle school and one of my pastors said, just do it this way. It's a very simple way to start learning how to talk to God. The A stands for adoration. This is adoring God. This is worship. Worship's not just singing songs. It's, it's about uh, us uh, talking about the attributes of God. God, you're great, you're powerful, you're provider, you're healer, you're wonderful, you're almighty, you take care of us. We, we talk about the attributes of God. The C then is confession. Every time we come before God, there are things we need to confess to him. It's sin patterns, I messed up here, I messed up there. But a lot of times it goes a lot farther than just the sin, the action of, well, I, I looked at something I shouldn't have or I drank too much. It's no, God, I got a heart issue where I've got pride, where I'm trying to do life without you. I'm trying, to find, I'm trying to find peace somewhere outside of you. We confess things to him. And once we confess our sins to them, then we move to the T, which is Thanksgiving. Thanking God for what he's already done. God, you've, you've provided so much for me. I have a job because you gave it to me. My kids are healthy and I thank you for that. I thank you for my marriage. I thank you for relationships. I, I thank you that I'm doing good in school, but you thank him for what he's doing and then you move to the S and the S is supplication. That's asking for things. And that's at the end of the list on purpose. On purpose. Because we come to our almighty God, adoring him for who he is, remembering that we are not coming to him pridefully like we have some reason to be there because we all have sin that we need to confess. We're thanking him for who he is. And then we present our request to him. God, our city needs rain. God, we, we need breakthrough. Our, our, our kids need to come back to you. Our, our church needs to grow. 
Our, our workplaces need to be healed where it's not just going through the ideologies of the world and trying to succeed off of the ways other generations have failed, but we need your direction and we start praying for things. So I wanna do something that might be a little bit uncomfortable, but, but church, we're past needing to be comfortable. We need to see change. So I wanna ask every person in this room to stand to your feet with me right now. And this is the uncomfortable part, out of an act of humility, because the, the Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I wanna ask you to go ahead and hold hands with the person next, sitting next to you. You might go, wait a minute, I'm a visitor. I don't feel comfortable here. Well, we wanna pray for you. We wanna pray that God would bless you. We wanna just invite you, dive on in here. Uh, we're not gonna do anything weird. We're just gonna humble ourselves and pray that God would move on our behalves. So I don't want anyone to feel left out here. Uh, if you're uncomfortable holding hands and put your hand on someone's shoulder or whatever, but I, I don't want a single person in this room not being touched. In fact, I'm gonna come down and get in here as well. And, and we are gonna pray and we're gonna step through these ACTS as a church together. And I want us to ask God to change us. So church, let's do this together. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we adore you, we praise you. You are amazing. You take care of us, you love us, you watch out for us. When we're, when we're sleeping at night, you're watching over us. God, we, we acknowledge that. We also acknowledge that, that God, where you're faithful, many times we're not. Over and over again, we fail. Over and over again, we return to old patterns and old sins and we want change, but we keep going back the old way. God, in our, in our hearts, you know what's going on and we need to just confess to you pride and arrogance, trying to do life our own way. Rebellion, God. We confess those things to you. And we wanna thank you right now that, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us and that no matter how many times we mess up, you still keep accepting us back and loving us. We thank you for that. And now as a church, as a unified people together, humbling ourselves before you, we say we are at the end of ourselves and we can't fix ourselves. So Jesus, we ask you to give us the power, the grace, the mercy, change us. Heal our land, God. I pray that you would heal the economy of Grand Junction, that you would bring rain into our city, that you would bring grace back, that you would open up spiritually blind eyes and open up spiritually deaf ears so that, God, we would, we would see you and we would hear you and that we would see life come back into our, our city and our church. So God, we ask that this wouldn't just be a one-time thing, but as a church, as we're committing to this 40 days of prayer, that we would all get on board every day, not just for 40 days, but, but every day of our lives that we would humble ourselves and seek your face, pray and turn from our wicked ways. And that God, we would see that you hear us from heaven, that you forgive us of our sins. And Jesus, heal our land. We thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, 
I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.